What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Russ, I, I don't know anybody who is more inspiring than the Jason Lowe himself. What, I mean, was this guy not blowing your mind the whole time we're on the podcast with him? Well, one of the things that I was definitely blown away by was the fact that he said that we need to measure everything, right? Like, what are the standards that we want? As you listen to this podcast, you'll hear he goes into depth of how he, how he invests in different businesses. But one of the things, the key takes away from me, Stallion, I think it applies to the person listening right now about do you have a standard of what you want and are you sharing it with people and are you measuring against it? Meaning, have you set the standard that I want to become financially free and that equals X, right? I want to be financially free in three years. I want to be financially free and have 10,000 a month of passive income because my monthly expenses are 8,000 a month and I want that. That's my standard. That's what I want. And I'm going to make sure every single thing I do between now and when I get to there is, is pointed and directed to there. I'm going to be really crystal clear, right? He's, he, he repeated over and over the concept of the, uh, the painted vision, right? That's he, right. He, he referred to that because that's what gave him standards for every business that he was investing in and was a part of. 100%. And I think the the takeaway, if you, as you get into today's podcast is what does that look like for you? And do you have a tool that will help you dream so that then you can be crystal clear on what those steps need to be for you? I want to call you tribe. If you haven't already taken it, go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and join us in the community, taking a free course that we designed just for this very reason. Because nine times out of 10, as you hear the word financial freedom, you, you know that you want it, right? Everybody, they hear that, they know that they want financial freedom, but what does it actually look like? If it's not clear to you, then it's not gonna be something you can hold yourself accountable to. You can't build standards around something that's not clear. And I want, I want you to take that, invest in yourself right now. Go to wealth.wallstreet.com forward slash passport and build that for your own family and your own sake. And, and if you're the one out of 10 who doesn't want financial freedom, just move on to another show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This, this is going to be a great interview. It's a great friend of ours, somebody that has uh, been doing business, um, infinite banking, um, creating passive income at a really high level. There's so many takeaways. I don't want to take any more away from our good friend, Jason Lowe. Let's jump in right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race 
and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, I am so pleased to be able to share with you our Canadian brother from another mother, Mr. Jason Lowe on the show. Jason, so glad to have you, man. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. In, in the U.S., it's Wealth Without Wall Street. In Canada, it's Wealth Without Bay Street Tribe. You're in for a treat. This is going to be a lot of fun. Jason, I want to dig into so many things, right? And I know we have such limited time. But you have run a successful, an, an amazingly successful business in Canada for many, many, many years. I've even traveled up to Canada to, to watch what you and your team do and how yeah. you teach and how you educate and how you're uh, helping change minds. And along the way, though, you got to a point where you decided that you also needed to start focusing on building alternative streams of income. I'm really yeah. interested as to what was that impetus to making you do that? Wow. Uh, for me, it was really just more about the passion of what I've done is help other businesses grow from startup to sustainable to being durable. And I recognized that that was a pattern um, that I really, really enjoy that bring, fascinates me and brings me a lot of energy. And there were other areas of business that I was quite excited about and I just wanted to help other entrepreneurs who were already active in, in those lines of business and help them be more successful. And that gave birth to other streams of income, which has blossomed into the Low family group of companies. There are 12 uh, businesses in the group of companies now. And people immediately go to, oh my goodness, how, how do you have the time? Uh, well, I'm not investing uh, all of my time, talent, or energy in these businesses, I am taking uh, an ownership interest and in helping these businesses along, the entrepreneurs that are active day-to-day -day in these companies, so that I have more freedom of time. That's the reason. The money, the money is not the motivator. It isn't. Um, mm. I, I can express to the both of you, uh, you both know me well enough, I can tell you, having earned millions of dollars and millions and millions of dollars, not one penny of it contributed to my degree of happiness. Where I get the fulfillment is, for me personally, in generating these other streams of income, is taking something that I see that has so much potential, but the people that are currently operating it don't have the capability yet to take that business to its degree of potential. And so I get involved actively with money and some of my time. And then I help the business get to a point where it's in a really good operating rhythm. And then I just parachute in unannounced periodically to be with the teams and to be hands-on because I love just being with the people. But I meet regularly with the leaders of those businesses and I do my very best to coach them on what my best demonstrated practices are, the ones that I know that work extremely well in the areas of sales, marketing, operations, 
you know, leading a team through different phases of growth in a business. And it's all from firsthand experience. And I I love this, Jason, because what we talk about on the show a lot is our investor DNA. Yeah. How has God uniquely gifted you either with resources, experiences, perspectives on the world? And, and to your point, how do you want to engage in those investments? Is it more active? Is, is it more hands-on? Is it more passive? Is it more behind the scenes? And I want to support more than I want to be an actual leader, uh, director of something. And it's always really cool to see how that so quickly comes out when we're interviewing somebody. It's just obvious that you've been gifted with leadership and you know influence and how that can then make another business successful. Talk about... Uh, one of the first businesses outside of your financial business that you you applied this to, and why did you get involved in it? Oh boy! Well, you you're both inquiring about our our Amazon business, you know, prior to hitting the record button, and uh, this is such a, an interesting um, journey. Uh, so back in twenty, oh gosh, I can't recall the year now. So a gentleman named John had attended a think tank as a, as a client of another practitioner. And I had spoken at that think tank and this, this gentleman, John had approached me after my talk and he said, Hey, I'd love to just connect with you, get to know you a little bit better. And I said, yeah, of course. And I said, when are you headed home? He goes, Oh, I'm flying out to more money. I said, well, so am I. I said, why don't we have breakfast at the airport? He goes, yeah, it sounds good. So we sat down to breakfast and I was asking him about his Amazon business. He said, well, I'm in the oil and gas industry. My business is currently generating, uh, you know, about 600 bucks a week, give or take. And I want to grow it to the point where I can leave the oil and gas business permanently. And I said, oh, well, what do you think you need to grow it to that point? And I knew exactly what he was going to say. Money. <laughs> I said, well, what about capability? And I said, do you mind if I just stay in touch with you once every few months just to check in and see how your business is developing? He said, sure. So he probably thought to himself, this guy's not going to do that because who actually follows through yours truly. So I'm reaching out to him once every few months saying, John, how's your business progressing? And after a few repeated contacts, he proactively reached out to me and he said, Hey, I'd love to come and meet with you. I, I just, I just love talking to you about business. And I said, great. 12 hours later in this office that I'm in right now, John says, you've been so generous with your time, your knowledge, your insights. I want to return the favor. Let me open an Amazon store on your behalf. You capitalize it and I'll take care of the rest. And he asked for nothing in return. I said, John, I'm only going to do it on one condition. You and I have to split the net profit 50-50. Otherwise, I'm not interested. Well, he was taken aback in a very positive way. And he said, okay, let's do it. And then here's Joey, you're going to love this. He says, I said, what, what's your aspiration? He goes, well, you know, I'm presently doing 30,000 a month and I can't wait until this business is doing a hundred thousand a month. I said, well, who's the best Amazon reseller that you know? So he gives me the name of this guy. And I said, what's he doing per month? He said, well, he's doing 400,000 in gross sales per month. I said, well, what's his profit? He goes, well, I don't know. I said, well, the gross sales is just a vanity metric, but why not 401,000 a month? 
So we sent a package to this guy after talking to him because I reached out to this reseller and we sent them a package. It was a box and it had a little bottle of Windex in it and a little paper towel and a handwritten note that said, make sure your rear view mirror is nice and clean so you can see us coming. (laughs) 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 And so, and so, uh, not too, not too long after. And when I say not too long, I'm talking about a realistic timeframe about two years later. In the business, we celebrated our first half million dollar month. Oh, wow. And so when, and, and that was that the business this year will do 15 million. And so Crazy. this is Amazon FBA. We do some FBM. So we do fulfill uh, to, to a degree, but it's primarily FBA. And when I first got engaged with the business, their net margins were somewhere around 3%. Three. And we've grown those net margins to 16. Oh, wow. And that, anybody in an Amazon FBA world or anybody who really truly understands the e-commerce business on the Amazon platform, you'll understand that's a very healthy net margin. I'm talking about after cost of goods, after shipping fees, after Amazon share, after the whole enchilada. And so if you can envision for a moment Right. As Nelson used to say, if we just do some grade three arithmetic and you take 15 million in gross sales at 16% net margin, and I'm my level of involvement in the business is meeting with that team every Wednesday. I just met with them literally an hour before we got together. And we review in a very specific cadence how the business is functioning and performing. And then periodically, unannounced, I show up at the warehouse our fulfillment warehouse, because we're a 3PL company as well. And I just show up unannounced and I go right back into the warehouse and I get to work and I start helping to prep products and I'm talking to team members and the questions I'm asking them, the responses had better be in alignment with what the leaders in the business are telling me. And so, was- Jason, I got to ask, because uh, Russ is really trying to figure out what the word, the letters F, B, and A mean. Um, <laughs> so just break down for us. What, what does that actual business model look like? Like give, give oh, us yeah. an example of what that is. Oh, absolutely. Sure. So Amazon, as you both know, so they bring buyers to their, to their platform and resellers bring product to Amazon. The two get matched up. And, you know, if you're, if you're sourcing product at wholesale and the margins are, are healthy, then you can do well in the business. Most, um, the majority of FBA resellers don't, don't do well. They, uh, they talk a lot about how good their gross revenue is, but when you start asking them questions around what are your profit targets and what are you actually achieving, um, sometimes you get a look like nobody's asked me that before and perhaps I'm not even really paying attention to it. And you uh, open accounts at wholesalers where you can resource products that are selling really well on the Amazon platform. And there's a variety of methods of determining what are consumers purchasing a lot of and at what price and frequency are they buying it. And you can resource those products. You can list them on uh, Amazon 
the better your business performs, the greater degree of storage limits Amazon provides to you because there's only so much square footage in their distribution centers. They have a whole system of how they allocate portions of those spaces to resellers. And so we play Amazon's game really well. And, but we didn't start that way. The business was not functioning well when I got involved, not even close as uh, evidenced by their margins and the warehouse that preps these goods. So you have to prep product and ship it into Amazon based on their standards. You know, if you buy a dishwashing soap, you've got to wrap it in a plastic bag. You've got to label it a certain way. You've got to wrap, double wrap the lid. And so it doesn't break apart and, you know, um, ruin the product before the customer even gets it. And the way that that was being done before I got involved was out of a garage and a storage unit. And the who that was doing that work was doing a terrible job at it. So I bought that business using proceeds of a policy loan. <laughs> I yeah. purchased that business. I got a building and we put a team and a process in place so that product gets checked in sorted, prepped, and shipped right back out the door as rapidly as possible. And the more often you do that, look no further than the grocery store example in Nelson's book, the more profitable a business you have. But they didn't know how. So I was the who that was able to help them get the how done. And then I was a who finder to, to recruit the right who's to make sure that that business could move from sustainable to durable. But you, you said a second ago that when you were talking with this John from the very beginning, his first thing that he thought he needed was money. And you followed that up with what about capability? Right. The, the capability factor, man, as you try to apply the knowledge that you have from the financial world, running a business there to this, talk a little bit about that. Because that's super interesting that you are able to figure out those inefficiencies yeah. That in his process so quickly and identify it where here's where the solutions are. Talk about how that capability applies and, and how you apply it in, you mentioned 12 different companies. That's right. Yeah. We, um, gosh, you know, I, I've got a great team that works alongside me in, in uh, supporting me in all these businesses, uh, key people that have, um, they dedicate their time and their energy to the accounting function of the business to help me get the right reporting framework in place for any business that I'm getting involved in. Um, but my approach is, you know, people, process, systems. It, it is. Uh, it sounds ridiculously simple, but I have a very um, predictable method of how I go about it in in my leadership style and how I lift other people up so that they can actually operate to their degree of potential, not their current degree of capability. And so when you've got, you know, a team that you've assembled, what a lot of businesses do, and, and a lot of businesses become pretty good just doing this, is they, they institute a really good system in the areas of sales, marketing, and operations, and they have standards. You know, and for me, I never let teams uh, deviate from standards. I'll, I'll give you an example. In that, going back to the Amazon business, in our warehouse facility, 
you should be able to eat maple walnut ice cream off the floors. We have a very, 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 I'm OCD about that. Uh, very some, specific type of ice cream. It, yes. You're very specific about that. Exactly. Okay. And, and, but I'm super OCD. Like um, <laughs> it's like to a very, very high degree. Like when I go in, if you were to walk into any business that I have a hand in operating, you'll know that I have a hand in operating it because everything from simple in terms of how things are arranged, everything has its place. Everything needs to be organized. Um, if there's computer cables in cubicle areas that are exposed and not wrapped and neat and tidy, it drives me nuts, like just stuff like that. So I'm walking through the warehouse and there's a bin that cardboard waste goes into and there's a couple of pieces just lying around there. And I'm in the warehouse with folks and I, I walk by it intentionally a couple of times and then I just coach to it right on the spot, standing right in front of it. Like what, what is our standard as it, as it relates to the cleanliness of the warehouse, everything in its place. And then I stare down at my feet and there's a couple of pieces of trash there. Yeah. We're going to pick that up at the end of the day. I just reach down, pick it up and put it in the bin. That can't wait till the end of the day. Because the moment you permit any deviation from a standard, the next one gets easier. And the one after that gets easier. And then the one after that gets easier. And so my team members know once we identify standards, and it's not me who identifies them, I involve the team to engage their best thinking on what degree of standards do we want in the business? Do we want a business that's, that is actually great and durable? Or do we want a business where we can talk about vanity metrics? and present ourselves to the world as being great, but that's not really the truth. So what degree of standards do you want? A standard of excellence or a standard of mediocrity? A standard of that's the way everyone else does it? That's not how the way we run our businesses. And then I coach to it and I develop leaders. That's a passion of mine is when I see leadership potential in somebody, I'm going to get it out of them. I love that. I mean, when you when you allow people to create that standard for themselves and then rise them up to it. Yeah. We, we were just on a call the other day with Ken McElroy, and he he said the same exact thing that you, you, you find the standard, you measure to it, and then you reward people for exceeding it. Right. And you coach people who are below it because they know that being below it is being less than the standard that they wanted for themselves. Cause you kept using the word want. I think that that's a, a super important. Yeah. And then you've got to have a painted picture vision. So we operate in three year increments as it relates to a painted picture vision. And we involve our team in painting that vision. So we, we sit down, everyone on the team is involved and we say, look, if we were, if we were to cast uh, ourselves into the future three years from today. I want you to just take a moment and describe to me what does the business look like? What are team members saying about this company? How are people treating each other? What are our vendors saying about the business? What is the business performance actually look like? in profit, in people served, in whatever company it is that you're in, like in the ascendant business as it relates to our specialization in the infinite banking concept, what do we want 
clients saying about us? What do we want life companies saying about us? Like we start to get into a, a very descriptive conversation. And the reason is that you, you see companies all the time. They have core values, most of which are platitude. Mm. But when you paint a picture of what the business is going to look like three years from now, and you provide a very high degree of specificity, the human brain only understands how to address specifics. The human brain doesn't do well with generalities or vague statements like everyone's happy. Uh, the business is doing great. Well, the human brain doesn't know how to set about making that real. But if you're being very descriptive, by that point, we will have served 3,600 people. By that point, clients are saying the following things about our business. Um, our strategic resource partners are saying the following things about our business. If you go to the ascendantfinancial.ca website, our painted picture vision is there in its, in its original format, word for word. And you can see the level of specificity. And then the team knows what they need to go and make real because they were the ones that took a blank canvas, a paintbrush and said, I had a hand in painting this vision. So they get more uh, bought in to building a future for the business that's bigger than the business's past. And that's what you should always be doing. And then you get to decide what to bring into that bigger future from the past and what to leave behind. That includes relationships, uh, products, services, um, whatever that may be. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income it makes all the steps come together if you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener we've never given this away in public before go to whatwhatwallstreet.com forward slash p-i-o-s there was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher's saying pop quiz day why because you were unprepared are you unprepared though for financial freedom don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. That's so great. Trav, you're hearing Jason talk about things that, one, you know that he's been a student, right? You can hear, what does that three-year vision look like, right? Knowing Jason, I know he spent a lot of time around Dan Sullivan. Absolutely. I, I can hear that. Uh, what is that painted vision, right? Cameron Harold, like you, you hear him being a student, but then putting these things into practice. Oh, and yeah. as you, as you hear these things, every time you listen to this podcast, I don't want you just to get information. I want you to, to take action. And Jason, you're just such a great example of that being a great student, but then taking great action. Now, I do want to change the, the conversation just a, just a tad because I do want to make sure you 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 mentioned that you had invested in 12 different businesses. That's right. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that because, you know, as a as an amazing business owner, helping build people up, right? Being a leader, yep. you also have found a very specific criteria in which you invest in things. And I would love for those who 
are listening to to maybe glean just a few of those things from you of how you decided to pick the different businesses that you invested in. So you don't have to go through all 12, but let's talk about a couple of things that you required in order to make an investment. What were some of those things for you? And and maybe we can get into a case study within one of those. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, honestly a really awesome question. So for me, it always begins with the people. So I've got to meet the who's. And, and specifically have, an operation team or operator singular? Whoever, whoever the owner or owners are, um, if they have existing team members, I need to meet with those team members and I, I need to have really in-depth conversation. And I can get a pretty good sense um, as an operator, if there's a physical location, then I can get a really good sense in about the first 30 seconds, whether or not they're skilled operators. And I I look no further than uh, kind of reflecting on my own standards. So if I'm approaching the building and it's in disarray, there's cigarette butts next to the door, the the rug hasn't been cleaned in a while, you walk in and, you know, there's not those really uh, fresh scents, you know, that make you feel welcome. Um, I immediately start to think how you do anything is how you do everything. And so I'm going to start looking now at the financials of the business and I'm going to find the cigarette butts on the floor, the dirty mm. carpet. I'm going to find that in the finances. Hey, hey, by um, the way, if, if, if you have um, wires going everywhere, like I do, doesn't mean your financials are going to be going crazy, right? <laughs> like I'm just telling you, I, I've got people that do that, but if you come to my, my workspace. So many it's wires. It's a little less than Let's just <laughs> so many wires. It's out it's, of control. And, and so I, I examine the financials of the business. I have um, conversations with those who are responsible for generating those results. And I have them describe to me what the future of the business looks like from their vantage point. And if, if I see potential, because I understand um, the business, whether, whether it's the business model or the niche that the business is in. Uh, so for example, like private lending, I really understand that really well. Uh, if somebody approached me and asked me to invest in a business that designs software, I'm out, I'm not interested. I I don't understand that business model or the products that that business model generates. And so I wouldn't invest in it. So part of my criteria, I have to be very familiar with the business so that I know I can really have a measurable positive impact. I'm going to dig deep into sales, marketing, and operations. I'm going to examine the numbers very, very carefully. And then I'm going to um, first, forgive me, I should have inserted people first because that's my cadence but I would have spoken to all of the team first. And uh, I want to get to know the character of the people that are in that business. Because when I recruit people in any of my businesses, it always begins with character. And you, you, the three of us know neither one of us are solely responsible for the abundance or the success that, that we create. We're coachable. And we invest a, a lot of time and energy and money in being coached. Um, some of my coaches include Dan Sullivan, Joe Polish, Mike Koenigs, you know, people who have 
a lot of impact on my life personally and professionally. Look no further than our Nelson Nash, our late mentor. And so I give all the credit to my mentors who have helped shape me. Any of my approaches and ideas and methods of doing things are not my own. I'm just the sum parts of everyone who's mentored me. And I've actually assimilated it by simulating it, <laughs> by actually going out and doing it. And I'm just so passionate about helping entrepreneurs take their business from its current level of productivity to a much higher degree of productivity and success. And I've got a track record of doing pretty well at that. <laughs> and so it's, it's because I get to operate in my unique ability. That's what fascinates me and brings me energy is being a servant leader. Uh, but make no mistake about it. Um, I have no difficulty holding people accountable. No question. And obviously the first opportunity you shared with us was someone came to you yeah. and said, Hey, this is, I'd love to partner with you in some way. Yeah. And that's how that grew from the standpoint of your, your strategy. Is there a way in which you're saying, Hey, I really want to get involved in this space yeah. and go and find a business in that space or an entrepreneur, or is it always that someone is coming to you and you then determine is, is this something I can add value to? It has been up to this point, uh, but coincidentally in January of this year, I began work on, um, if you just refer to it as the, the, the Jason Lowe method. And uh, so there's going to be um, a very intentional, you know, marketing push to, to let people out there know that, that I exist and, and that I'd love to be helpful. And these are the best, you know, uh, entrepreneurs that I most love to serve. These are the, their optimum mindsets and these are the businesses that they're in. And if I can be of service, just call upon me. Uh, but up to this point, it's, it's just been people literally reaching out to me. Uh, the most recent was an attorney who reached out to me. He said, I'd love to spend some time with you. I heard, you know, that you're really business effective and I've got a new business launching and I think it's a great model, but I'd love to pick your brain on it. And I said, sure, I'd love to meet with you and talk to you. And that was a three hour conversation. And after he got through it, he said, first of all, nobody's ever, you know, grilled me in such a positive way before. Like, I really felt like I've learned a lot. But secondly, I'm going to go and speak to my business partner. And then they came back to me and said, we want to give you uh, equity in the company. If you would be kind enough just to spend uh, time with us once a quarter. I said, I'd be honored to do that. That creates more freedom of time for me because now I'm going to have a vested interest in a business that's going to pay me money and I've got to spend time with them once every three months. That creates more freedom of time. I love that. Yeah. I mean, Isn't that good? Yeah. You ever see that um, show, The Profit? Yeah. Yeah. Marcus. Uh, Limonis. Limonis. Mar yeah. 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 You're basically the Canadian Marcus Lemonis at this point. Yeah. But right. Like that analogy has been used before. <laughs> I think Marcus Lemonis may be Canadian, Joey. Oh. And <laughs> well, then you're the second Canadian Marcus Lemonis. But the the one one question I have is I just noticed from knowing you personally, and I want to bring it into today's um, conversation is the value of coaches and masterminds. You oh, have yeah. constantly been involved. Uh, and I want to spoke, focus in on masterminds in particular. What is it 
that someone gains by being a part of a mastermind from your perspective? Wow. <laughs> you truly develop a master mind. <laughs> that's if, if that's really what you desire, because the, the people who are in the room all have um, a different degree of experience as it relates to the opportunity that you're pursuing, the problem you're trying to solve. And so you gain insight from people who actually want to help you by actually helping you. And so being a part of a mastermind, I think, is such an amazing experience. Uh, I know the both of you operate uh, a mastermind group. Um, I invest a significant amount of money each and every year to be coached. Uh, whether it's Dan Sullivan's free zone group, which is 50,000 US dollars a year, whether it's uh, Justin Donald's uh, lifestyle investor mastermind group um, at 50,000 a year, whether it's uh, Joe Polish's genius network at 25,000 a year, um, individual coaches that I bring in to help me with very specific things that I pay them a coaching fee to do. You know, I'm investing several hundred thousand dollars a year. Hmm. And what's the return on investment? What's the return on freedom of time that this creates? And so uh, being a part of a mastermind is just, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend it to anybody. I mean, it's, um, it's just so important. And, you know, I'm going to be becoming more actively involved in what the two of you are, do are doing, and, but I can't be in all places at once. And so I'm going to shift over, you know, from Justin's group uh, to get more involved in what you guys are doing. It's not, it, it, I just, I can't be everywhere at once. <laughs> and, and so it's, oh gosh, I can't speak highly enough of being a part of a mastermind. The, just the relationships that will form, but most importantly, the collaborations. Mm. The collaborations where you have one person in the mastermind that has a unique ability and you've got your own unique ability you find a way to bring those together and everyone's revenues and profits rise and it didn't cost either party anything more to achieve it. That's true collaboration. And you don't have to be in a level playing field for that to begin. It's not like, hey, you have to have the same degree of success as I do. Otherwise, there's no fit for a collaboration. It doesn't work that way. There just has to be a great fit in wanting to provide better value and service to the marketplace in whatever it is that you're doing. I was with Dan Sullivan last week in Chicago and I agree with him wholeheartedly. I can't stand the word disruption. Hey, we're going to go and disrupt this. Well, that means somebody has to lose. Mm. What if you focused on taking what's already there and making it better and working in collaboration with others to do that and be transformative, not disruptive. It, it feels so much better to be transformative than it'll ever feel to be disruptive. I certainly would. Ne I never want to collaborate with a disruptor because sooner or later, it's going to come back and bite you right in the ass. <laughs> yes, it will. Well, Tribe, you, you've heard Joey and I talk about many of the things that Jason said, just not nearly as eloquently. Like when you talked about, hey, going out and creating the Jason Lowe method, telling the world, this is how I see businesses, how I invest in businesses. If you're interested in that, come to me. Well, we say that all the time. It, you have to speak it. You, when you're talking to somebody, if you truly want to be 
a real estate investor, a land flipper, uh, a, a, an Amazon reseller, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, you better be talking about that to people. You're no longer an engineer. You're no longer an attorney. You're no longer a lawyer. You're no longer a dentist. That's what you are. That's who you are. You need to be speaking that because that will happen. Your mind will work in that way if you will take the time to focus on it. Jason, you you just kind of brought all of these amazing things together. And yes, I agree with you that at knowledge is not power. It's access to people. It's power. And when you're yeah. in collaboration, when you're in masterminds, when you're in coaching, you're getting access to the people which provide the power that then you can empower those people around you and in the businesses you're investing in. Man, I'd love to afford people to you um, and be able to connect with you because they need to be following you no matter where they are in the world. They need to be following um, what you're talking about because this is fascinating to us. We're so excited and and uh, proud to be friends of yours. Please share with them. If somebody wanted to connect with you, where would they go? Yeah, if uh, folks wanted to just uh, head on over to learnwithj.com. Uh, it's, it's displayed right on the screen for you. Again, that's learnwithj.com. That's in the area of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept, which is an area that we specialize in here the past 15 years. And so I'd love to to hear from you. I'm also on all of the uh, the Facebooks, the tweeters, uh, the YouTubes, the Instagrammies. Um, so feel free, whatever it is that the TikTokers just go on and, you know, connect with me. Let me know uh, who you are and what's exciting you and what you're thinking about. And I always love to make a couple of good book recommendations too, uh, to folks that I think will really help you and uh, hopefully serve as a really good source of inspiration. Uh, the first book is Who Not How. And that book was co-authored by Dr. Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan. And I think any entrepreneur who's watching or listening, anytime you get inspired by a great idea, your brain immediately goes to, how am I going to get that done? This is going to help you rethink your thinking to rather than think about how I'm going to get it done, which leads to procrastination, shift your focus to who, who possesses the unique capabilities to help me get the house done. So then you're being a who finder, not a how completer. And uh, the second book would be Willing to Fail. That was written by Brian Scudamore, who founded 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And uh, now he he leads OT, O2E Brands. He inspired me around the painted picture vision. Um, can I share this real quick, guys? Yeah, please. I read this book, willing, willing to Fail. I was on an airplane on a flight to New York. This was in July of 2019. And I put down the book. I leaned over to my wife, Rebecca, and I said, I'm going to meet Brian someday. Not sure how. I'm just, I know I'm going to meet him someday. Well, Dan Sullivan, um, a few weeks after I returned from New York, he said, hey, the Genius Network annual event's coming up in November. I think you would get a lot of value from it. I'm formally extending an invite to you to come to this event. I said, I would be honored to attend. Guess who was speaking at that event? Brian. Brian. And so we got together over coffee during one of the breaks and I had to um, give him credit for first of all, doing such a great job writing the book, but really inspiring me around his philosophy of the painted picture vision and, and using a real case study of how he integrated that into 1-800-GOT-TRUNK and what the effect of it was. And we immediately created our first painted picture vision. We achieved it. We're on to painted picture vision number two. And now any business that I directly get involved in, the painted picture vision process is a non-negotiable element of what we do. And so all the credit to Brian and of course, Cameron, who spent many years with Brian, but all the credit to those wonderful people 
Not to mention Joe Polish is one of the nicest human beings on planet Earth and one of the best connectors I've ever met. Um, I, I owe um, so much gratitude to all of those people. And so get your hands on those books and read them. You'll be glad you did. Man, thank you for coming on, bro. It's so good to be with you. And thank you for listening to this episode, right? This is one of those that... It's maybe a little bit different than our typical podcast, but you can see why it was so important for us to have Jason come on because there's so much importance in thinking through what our unique ability is, having vision, being able to cast that vision, being able to connect with people and collaborate with people and realizing that we're not dividing a pie here. We're creating new pies. We're creating opportunities for everybody. I love that abundance mindset. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.